I know it may be hard for some of you to believe, but there are times that I'm sitting over there and I don't even know what I'm, how I'm going to introduce my lesson. What I'm going to say to get it started, and this is one of those times. Because I'm talking about something that should not be a problem in our society, and it definitely should not be a problem in the church. And sometimes as a preacher, you need to expose the things that are sinful and wrong. I want to talk about racism tonight. It's not a topic that a lot of people are thrilled with, but I think that as we look at our society, we see that it's a word and a term that is just thrown around when it really doesn't apply. I've heard that it's been applied to 70 million people that voted for a particular candidate. That means that they are racist. And so it appears, uh, listening to a few other politicians, that if you disagree with what they are saying, then you are a racist. The definition of a racist is this. A person who is prejudiced against or antagonistic toward people at the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. That's what the definition of a racist is. And we need to understand that there is no place in the church for that. And I... Uh, and. Being a preacher, sometimes I'm exposed to people and I hear what they say where others may not hear that. I've heard elders use the N-word in a congregation, not where anyone else would hear it, but behind the scenes. I have had preacher, a preacher in particular that said, that's just the way I was raised. That doesn't excuse it. You might have been raised to be a thief or something even worse. That doesn't mean that you can keep doing that stuff. My dad was a preacher, very active in personal work, and he was working at a congregation in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, I visited that place and there's a problem with race relations on both sides. And he was told if he went over in a certain particular area and started converting people, there would be a problem. That shouldn't be in the church. That attitude is not what the Bible is about. And there are other things that I could talk about and tell you about that would just, it's really appalling. Because as Christians, we need to realize that God accepts all people. And we should accept all people also. We had a saying when I was a kid, I don't know if they still say it today or not. But sometimes when you had no other con uh, uh, recourse to the argument that someone was saying to you, as a kid you would say, it takes one to know one. I don't know if kids still say that today. But usually, or not always, but in some cases, people are exposing themselves when they call someone else a racist. Because many times when you listen to what that individual was saying, 
they are prejudiced and they have a problem. The topic of race relations has often brought about more heat than light. The church of Jesus Christ is by the very essence the definition composed of every creature from all nations. I want you to think about the great commission that Jesus gave. In Mark the 16th chapter, what did Jesus say to His disciples in verse 15? He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice He didn't segregate anybody and say they don't deserve it. And as one congregation that I was visiting in their Bible class, they kept talking about the other side of the tracks. And finally, I asked, where is this place that you keep talking about? It's so bad. But the Bible says every creature. So we're to take the Gospel to the entire world, to every creature, and preach that soul-saving message. In Matthew chapter 28, and verse 19, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Again, He doesn't exclude any group of people, any nation of people. He says, go, and, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That would include everyone on this planet. That commission by Jesus does not leave anyone out. All people of every color, every race, Every nation are to hear that soul-saving message of the Gospel and they are to obey it. Jesus wanted everyone to be saved. From the beginning of the Gospel, it was proclaimed in word that God is colorblind, that in Jesus Christ all physical distinctions vanish, and that there is no respect of person. No group is better than any other group. In fact, Paul addresses that situation, that problem in, in the book of Romans. When the Jews seemed to think that they were better than the Gentiles, that the Gentiles were more sinful than they were, and that Paul points out to them that guess what? You need Jesus Christ. You need the blood just like the Gentiles need the blood. They're both in a lost condition. They both needed to be saved. And you can read in the Bible where the Jews sometimes looked down on the Gentiles and in some areas they were very prejudiced. Peter tells us in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Peter is telling us that anyone can be saved. That God doesn't care what color of skin you have, what ethnicity you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, what sexed you are, He wants people to be saved. Unfortunately, it's not always lived up to those good words that we find in the New Testament. Great progress has been made in some areas in bringing to life the gospel ideal that I just mentioned. Sometimes the church has been a light in the dark in a dark world leading the way to peace and harmony 
in Christ Jesus. The church in some places that broke down the prejudice that were there and dissolved those barriers. But yet in other places, God's people have been slow to act, letting the world set the pace and then following with great caution. There are communities in which the world has accepted the equality of men, of every race, and yet the church, which should have been in the forefront and leading the, 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 the charge, resists and continues to disobey God by prejudice and respect of person. Tonight in this lesson, I'm not going to answer all the questions. And I'm not even going to try to raise all the questions. But I want us to see that God's salvation is for all people. And that the church is open to all people. That will comply with the conditions that God gives to enter and to be a part of the body of Christ. The Bible teaches the physical unity of all men. Every human being has descended from Adam and Eve and then from Noah and his wife after the flood. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I've had people that will try to say, well, perhaps God created Adam and Eve in the garden and then created other people other places. I believe that this passage of Scripture shows us that God didn't create other people somewhere else. He created Adam and Eve and everyone is a descendant from Adam and Eve. We all bleed the same color of blood because we are descendants from Adam and Eve. And then we know that the wickedness of the earth became so great that the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually and that God repented that He made man. And He said that He was going to destroy man and the flood came. And as a result of that flood, all of mankind with the exception of Noah, his wife and his sons and their wives were destroyed in that flood. And when they came forth out of that ark, God told them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And so that would make us all descendants from from Noah and Mrs. Noah. That's where we all have come from. And so once again, we all have the same blood. We all came from the same source. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 18, And the sons of Noah were sent forth of the ark where Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and none of them was the whole... And none and of them... <laughs> was the whole earth overspread. And Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, "...and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation." So again, the Bible is showing us that we are of all the same blood, that we are the descendants of Adam and Eve and then Noah and his wife. And so what makes us different? Why is it that we would look at someone and say, I'm better than you are, that my blood's better than your blood, when we all have the same blood? And when we look at what Jesus is telling us, that all nations, all creatures, everyone has an, should have an opportunity to be saved, that includes all people. 
And so God is no respecter of persons. And so hopefully we will see that we should not be a respecter of persons. God used in the Old Testament, we see that God used Israel as a special people, segregating them from his own pur- for his own purpose. But Israel was the only example where we see any favoritism that was shown. And I've had people that will say, well, the children of Israel were the only ones that could be saved, that everyone else was just born and lost. They had no choice. I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that through the heads of the family, that God still gave instructions that people were to follow. And you can go to Nineveh with the story of Jonah, and you can see that God told them that they needed to repent and that they needed to change. And guess what? They were not Jews. They were not the children of Israel. And God was concerned about their soul and they needed to repent. And so the children of Israel were God's special people, but they were there for a purpose, and that was to bring salvation through Jesus Christ to the entire world. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt of the Egyptians, and I will rend you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burden of the Egyptian. God delivered the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt because He had made a promise to to Abraham. And that promise was that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And it was repeated to Isaac, and it was repeated to Jacob. And we see as a result of that promise that all nations of the earth are blessed today through the blood of Jesus Christ because it was offered on the cross, and it gives us all an opportunity for salvation. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6-9, through it says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He has sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen, from the land or the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God and, and faithful God, which keepeth com- covenants and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Again, God had chosen them because of the promise that He had made to their fathers. That would be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Romans chapter 9, Paul addresses this. <clears throat> and we're going to read several verses there. If you'd like to turn over there, look at verse beginning in verse 10. That's Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. And not only this, when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that purpose of God, according to election, might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. Again, we need to understand that God had a promise and made a promise, and it was through Isaac that that promise was going to be fulfilled. 
You know Abraham and Sarah, they tried to intervene and, and uh, Ishmael came about because of that. But that wasn't God's plan. Isaac was the son of promise. And because of that, that promise was going to be fulfilled through his seed. So let's go on, verse 12. And it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God is God. And God can do what He wants to do. And God had a plan all the way back from the foundations of the earth that through Abraham's seed, the nations of the earth would be blessed. All nations of the earth. Not some, not part. All nations of the earth would be blessed. And so we see that God has compassion and mercy on those whom He chooses to have mercy and compassion. Verse 16, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why hath ye yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay, and the same lump to make one vessel to honor unto honor, and another unto dishonor? Again, God created man. God can do with us what God chooses to do with us. And that's what so many Christians don't even understand, that God is God, we're not. And that's what we need to understand. God makes the rules. Not you, not me, not someone else. And that's why God's Word is so important. Verse 22, What if God willing to show His wrath and to his power, make His power known endured with much longsuffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He hath afore prepared unto glory. Even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, as he saith unto Osi, I will call them my people which are not my people, and her beloved which are not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it is was said to them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Again, I think that's referring back to the promise that he made that these people, the Gentiles, weren't God's chosen people like the children of Israel, but God was still going to call them His people. And we see that in the New Testament. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For He will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath hath left us a seed, we had been a Sodoma and been made like unto Gomorrah. God had a plan. That's why the children of Israel were in a special class. That's why they were set apart. The church, 
Christians, you and me, those of us that have obeyed the gospel, have been set apart. We're a holy people. Does that mean that we are better than someone else out there in the world? That my soul is more precious? That my soul is more valuable than someone else's? That may be in a lost condition? No. That just means that I've been saved by the blood of Christ. Doesn't make me better than anyone. Doesn't mean that I can look down on anyone. That just means I have great responsibility because I've been set apart for a holy purpose. And if you're a Christian, you've been set apart for a holy purpose. And so we need to understand that in Christ, God saves all men alike. There is no difference between those of different race, sex, or social standing. Now, when I mention sex, I do want to point out that in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, we only find two. That's male and female. I know in our world today, they've got it all messed up and they can come up with many, many different kinds. There's only two, male and female. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what God created in the beginning. And that's what still exists today, whether we like that or not. And whether people want to accept that or not, that's what the Bible says. First Timothy chapter two, verses three through four. For this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Again, Paul's pointing out to Timothy that he want, God wants all men to be saved. In first Timothy chapter four, verse ten. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Jesus died on the cross for all people. Those that believe and obey His Word are special in His sight. But He is the Savior of all of those that will be saved. John chapter 3 and verse 16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That whosoever is all-inclusive. It means anyone. It means everyone that believes and obeys. Because if we believe, we're going to follow through on it. And my definition of believe includes work. Because when you look in James chapter 2, you can see that faith without works is dead. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, you can see that those that had faith were moved to do what they were instructed to do. And by the way, we're here today because Noah was given instructions that he had faith in and it moved him to do what he did in building the ark. And you and I are here today as a result of his obedience. And so when we believe, that means we're going to follow through and we're going to obey what He tells us to do. In Christ, all men are made one new creation. And there is no distinction with God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12-13, through 13, For as a body is one, and have many members, and all the members that of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. But by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have, all, and have been all made to drink of one Spirit. 
So we are all those that are members of the body of Christ, Jew or Gentile. We're baptized into that one body. That body is the church. And you and I can be a part of that. That body is the church, the body of Christ that we are part of. And we're one in that body. In Galatians chapter 3, and verse 27 and 28, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now I'll let you in on a little secret that I heard years ago. It wasn't so secret, it was on television. It was on the Today Show in the morning. And it was way back when Katie Couric was on there. I'm sure most of you remember Katie Curry. I'm not that old. But there was a book that was written about the submissive wife. And you know how our world is when it comes to submission. And I believe that if you understood what the Bible teaches about a wife's relationship with her husband and a husband's relationship with Christ, you're not going to have a problem with submission. But it was the one time that I ever heard her quote Scripture. And Galatians chapter 3 was the verse that she quoted. It was the one where it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And her point that she was trying to make was that male and females are equal. That is very true when it comes to salvation. A male, a female, sin separates us from God. We're equal in that condition. And each one of us, male and female, need to be saved in the same manner by the same plan that God has. But yet when we read Scriptures, the male and the female each has their own responsibilities in the human race and in the church. And so we can look at other passages of the Scripture, but I don't want to go there tonight. But I want us to understand that, yes, we are all one, but we still have different responsibilities. That's what the world needs to understand. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. There's the reason. God's plan. Again, God is God and I am not, so I can't change what God has set in order. And so we need to be willing to listen to God's Word. I think our world would be in a whole lot better place, better situation, if people would follow God's plan. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 11. Why not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. In the body of Christ, we're all equal. But like this body, you know, our physical body, it's all equal, but each part, fingers, feet, legs, arms, head, chest, heart, kidneys, liver, all has its own function and purpose. And that's what we need to understand. 
Verse 15 of that same chapter, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Revelations 5, verses 9 and 10 says this, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by His blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. What did He say? Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Does that include everyone? Can you find someone that doesn't fit into them, one of them categories? Or all those categories? I can't. So to be prejudiced against one group, or a large group, or a single group, or a small person, whatever. There's no place for that in the church. We need to understand that people have souls. I asked someone who had demonstrated their prejudice one time, what are you going to do on Judgment Day if you get there and you find out that Jesus isn't white? You know what their answer was? And this was a member of the church. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What color is the soul? Can anybody tell me that? If you know what color the soul is, tell me when we go out the door. I just have a feeling that on the day of judgment, if you get there, and let's just say we do have colors, that if some minority that you may have a prejudice against, Jesus happens to be that color or of, of that ethnicity, are you going to say, forget it. I don't want to come in here. Just send me to that other place. I don't think any of us would say that. And so if we wouldn't say it there, why would we say it here? Why would we talk about people? Because of their group that they're associated with. The Bible gives no credence to what people sometimes will say is a scriptural basis for prejudice. The mark of Cain was for his protection, not his punishment. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10 beginning it says, And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth and re received thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, that thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. 
And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. That mark, whatever it was, was to protect him. Then there's some that will talk about the curse of Ham. The curse of Ham was actually on his son Canaan. And it was fulfilled in the slavery of Canaan's descendants, the Canaanites. And so there is no justification for prejudice and hatred and racism in the Lord's church. Let each one of us as a Christian strive to be that light in this world that we live in, accepting all people, those that are sinful, those that are not so sinful. There are some that have done some terrible things. They still have a soul. There are some that live a pretty good life, but they're still in a lost condition and they need to be saved. Don't ever look at someone and say, you're on the wrong side of the tracks. Don't ever look at someone and say, you don't deserve salvation. Don't ever say to yourself that that's just the way I was raised. Because that's not an excuse that's going to save us on the day of judgment. If you need to make changes in your life, I would encourage you to make those changes soon. Like right now. A simple answer to many difficult problems is found in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 where He says, Therefore all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In many situations, the real question is simply whether God's people will be governed by their culture, determined as it is by godless and self-serving people, or by the Lord, the heavenly Son of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. We're not any righteous, more righteous as a human being than anyone else. And in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What sets us apart as a Christian is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's important that we walk that walk. It's important that we walk the things that we say, practice what we preach, realizing that souls are at stake. Your soul may be at stake also. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9, Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, where not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord doesn't want anyone to be lost. He's made salvation available to all people. But it's up to us as to whether or not we accept it. It's up to us to take that message out into the world. Because it was Jesus who said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Tonight, if you may not have the right attitude toward people, I encourage you to change that attitude. Realize that everyone has a soul and that a soul is worth more than this entire world. And if you're not a Christian, remember that Jesus died so that you could have salvation, just like He died for everyone else. But it's up to you as to whether or not tonight 
you will become a child of God if you're not one. But you can do so by coming to have a seat up here on the front row and letting your request be made known. And we'll take care of that situation by baptizing you into Christ tonight. If you need to respond to the invitation, come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand this.